we, we, we should rap about things that we like, like, like food. That's what you bugging as death, you know it. We're gonna be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. No white. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Got spaghetti in here. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass-fed? Yes. Cruelty-free? What you eat, and I am freaking cheese. Okay, how was it? Mm, I wouldn't kick it out of bed for eating crackers. How about four beans, Mr. Tiger? I'd say you've had enough. So, sell two weeks in Japan and you're fanging for a bit of cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I haven't stopped eating cheese. You just don't get cheese. Everyone's food's so clean. It's delicious. <laughs> so it's just too good for you. It's too good for you. It's like, oh, give me some fat. What's what's their what's their junk food though? Well, fried chicken karage, you know, pork tonkatsu. Like they do lots of fried food. Lots lots of fried dumplings. Um, dumplings are quite often steamed, but they'll be fried. But you know, you get fried chicken. Mm. Um, fried fish cakes. Okay. Fried pork. I mean, we went to this beautiful pork restaurant one night where they have this beautiful black pig, and they crumb it, mm. and you know they just serve it with a big pile of cabbage, and you make this awesome, like sesame dressing. You crush up your own sesame seeds, and you know it's like, <laughs> I think it's the equivalent of our chicken parma. You mm. know, comfort food. Yeah, <clears throat> and that's good, but that's about as bad as it got for me. <laughs> and cake. Actually, I had some cake. Do you see that picture of the cake that I... Mm. That, how wild was that? That's pretty crazy. Do they eat lot, much sweets, though? Well, there's lots of cat little French cake shops everywhere. French, yeah, right. Yeah, really. Like, where I was at that... When I got that particular... Like, that was like a big cherry, and that was a Black Forest cake inside yep. of it. And that was this bizarre bright pink joint. They had these big things coming from the ceiling with these domes sitting over one cake and you went in and you picked what cake you wanted there was only eight seats in the whole restaurant yeah because they they do a lot of that small um i was reading about a guy oh, i can't remember his name i'm not sure if i sent you the link if i haven't i'll try and look it up for you mm. and he was a japanese guy moved to america was on tv in america huge in america yeah and then um, um, decided that he wanted to go back and be not famous in Japan, but sort of recognised within the food mm. community in Japan. Mm. So he went and opened this eight-seat sushi place mm. in like an alley. Like the reporter said, they almost didn't find it. Mm. Like I th sushi might be dumplings. But anyway, it was like traditional Japanese food and, you know, eight or ten people max in this mm. restaurant. And, th and he said the place was just amazing. Like, not in daycare or anything, but just the food, the quality of the food yeah. that this guy was pumping mm. out. And um, I don't think it was very expensive either, so he obviously wasn't making huge amounts of money. It's bizarre, because a lot of them are like that. They'll only seat ten or twelve people, or they might... And that's around a bar. They may have a room upstairs that may seat another eight or ten people but people will queue up 
at the front. Yep. And wait. And just wait. But you, yeah, you wonder how they make any money. We had this insane meal one night because I was over there with Jane mm. Lawson. We went to this place called Tempura Matsa. Matsa, mm. Matsu, Tempura, whatever. Tempura. But it wasn't really tempura. Oh, we were right. sitting at this bar yeah. and there was only like mm, seven of us, seven or eight of us at this bar, and there would have been, I don't know, twelve chefs. And it was twelve a, chefs. A father and son, and the food oh, was just insane. And because it's autumn over there now, everything's, you know, served wrapped up in autumn leaves or on, you know, So sticks. very seasonal. Very seasonal with their decorations and stuff. But anyway, this food just went on and on and on, you know, bringing out the big slab of Wagyu and cutting it off in front of us and bringing out the whole fish and then filleting it. And, you know, sometimes they'd, you know, with the beef, they just threw some hot rocks on in front of us and cooked the beef and, you know, made up a dipping. It was incredible. And you just think you can't eat any more. I can't eat another thing. And then they bring out this big block of ice with a bowl carved out in it and, and this soup of these insane noodles, you know, which they'd just made and cooked these noodles and they were in this broth freezing cold but it was a great cleanser at the end oh right with a raw egg on top and you mix the egg through and wow oh, that sounds pretty crazy just wild it was great food amazing but it's an experience you know mm. they're chatting to you the whole time and they wanted to know what we all did and you know and was that like a high-end restaurant was that um, was that the not the high high end that was uh, no that was only like 80 bucks a head yeah Australian dollars, so that was very reasonable. I mean, you wouldn't get anything like that for eighty dollars a head here. Yeah. So, like eight when courses. you compare it, even just the experience of sitting at a bar with eight people mm. and twelve chefs cooking for you and the banter for eighty dollars. So, are you sitting sort of with the twelve chefs in front yeah. of the bar? Yeah, in this old, old kitchen, you know, and they're cooking over these coals in an old. Does Does anyone do that in Australia? Does do they? Because that's very. I know it's a very different thing, but that's almost like a, um, like what you've done here and what I want to do at home. That the sort of it. That's sort of the home cooking experience, isn't it? Yes. Like my whole kitchen's going to be designed around the three areas that you can sort of live in. Yeah. And I want to be able to cook and talk to someone. So if they're sitting Everywhere in the lounge are. room. Yeah because it's winter and they want to sit in front of the fire, I can be cooking and talking to them. If they want mm. to sit at the kitchen, that I can, or if they want to sit outside, I can yeah. still talk to them. And that's the sort of thing that, that people want in their homes, but there's a real separation between the kitchen and the and the customer in Australia, isn't there? Mm. Um, like even like casual places, you don't really see that. I mean, you know, I mean, this particular restaurant, was quite unusual in the fact that they just loved us. I mean, that doesn't happen all the time. No. You know, but they were chatting away and they just made the experience so much better. Like telling us about the plates we're about to eat off. I mean, the crock, you know, the pottery and stuff is huge in Japan and every plate's different. And there's yeah. a story to every plate and some of it was hundreds of years old. And But obviously, if you're sitting in a bar and the mm. chefs are opposite you yeah. and you're a chef there, you're expected to talk to the customers. But that depends on the chef. I mean, look, it's the same in any industry. You would think wait staff would be friendly and nice because that's the industry they've chosen to get into. 
But how often do you have the rudest asshole mm. and you think, why are you doing this job? Go and sit in an office where you don't have to talk to anyone. You obviously hate people. Mm. It's a little bit like chefs, you know. They get a job, they lock themselves in the kitchen. It's hot. Half of them have got personality disorders, you know. <laughs> They've got some kind of addiction that they're addressing. You know, there's all that stuff that goes on. Hello to all our friends in the chef's so, community. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, sometimes they're just like, oh, shit, what, you want me to cook and talk to them? Yeah. I mean, but there's a lot more pressure here because, obviously, restaurants here have more bums on seats. They've got to make money, especially in Brisbane. The rents are so expensive. You've got to meet. Well, that's what we talked the last two weeks while you've been away. It's funny because the, the two people that filled in for you both sort of um, well, they, they go to a lot more fine dining than me. Yeah. You know, Burmo um, uh, does the the good food guide testings, uh-huh. and mm. and Kira's obviously you know mm. living in the city does a bit of mm. fine dining. And so yeah, it was interesting talking about that sector, which I never touch through mm. budgetary and and time constraints. But um. And what was their general consensus? Um, oh, it's tough, obviously. And yeah, maybe the, there's not the market to sustain as many restaurants as there is. Mm. Um, and, you know, maybe not the hardcore group of people that want to go to... What was the one that just closed? Ortega. Ortega, like somewhere like that, you know, that are just hardcore regulars that will just mm. go all the time. Mm. You know, the, 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 the sort of people that go a lot, you know, will go this one and then this one and then this Everyone one. Everyone knows your name. It's a bit like Cheers, isn't it? Mm. Well, I, I ran a bar just on that principle. Mm. Like, you know, uh, the, the whole thing about our bar was for anyone that came in before 7 o'clock that, came, that, that was there, you know, more than second or third visit, you really wanted to be able to have their beer open for them on the bar. Yeah. When they came in. Yeah. People you, love that shit. Even yeah. just to remember your name. Yeah. Or even give me a... Like you half remember my name. Yeah. And, you know, I used to say, look, if they came in and they want something different and you've opened a Macrona and they want a VB, either comp it to them, give it to them for free, say, oh, you know, my bad, or, you know, just write it off. Just write it off and get them what they want. because <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> in my bar stuff often did. Um, but you know that that feeling of like we because we were not a pretty pub, you know we didn't have an amazing decor. We weren't the cool place to be, so we had to have that family yeah. sort of inclusive. We know you better than anyone atmosphere. Yeah. So you yeah. know that creepy. You're spending way too much time yeah. here because we know so much about you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we relied on that. Mm. Without that, we were just. I don't know, it's a bit interesting to see if a little bar like that would... I mean, it's the exclusivity thing as well. Like, if you've only got 10 seats, those 10 seats are going to be booked up every Mm. bloody night. Well, obviously, you have to be good food and amazing service. But that gives you a... um, If you've got 10 seats booked every night and you can work out your budget so that that works... Yeah, that awesome, gives you a surety, it? doesn't it? Yeah. Because you know that you're bringing in this much, roughly, cash yeah. every night and you work from there. Yeah. But, like, if you've got a 60-seat venue and you might get oh. 40 every night, yeah. 
and then a couple of nights you get 20 like that would really kill you yeah and that was the problem when we moved to a bigger venue we moved to a 350 punter venue and some nights you'd only get 150 well that didn't work yeah you know you'd die on those nights yeah <gasps> oh yeah amazing so what else did you eat Sal? Oh. I'm not supposed to talk. You're supposed to talk for an hour straight about food, <laughs> food that you ate in Japan. No, I'll tell you a bit about what we did. Because we went down south. Um, we went to Kumamoto, which was unreal because we did all this really cool stuff. So we went... We went the first night. We went out. Some locals took us out for dinner, and we just went to an izakaya, which is like a pub, and we ate horse and stuff. Like they were trying to show horse. us everything. Yeah, you know, right. it was local. So we just got smashed. They is, were pulling is that out. the old? Let's see what the foreigner will eat. Yeah. So yeah, we're eating everything. We're drinking everything, and we're rolling rotten drunk, and we're all singing songs, and so that was pretty funny. And then the next night we went to the pork restaurant. The next night we did. There was this funky little um, cafe called Hunk and Betty and it was just a guy that used to work at a hotel and he left the hotel and he set up his own restaurant so it's kind of interesting to see how other countries do fusion yeah so they love Italian food in Japan oh right it's kind of Italian you'll see the Italian flag everywhere and you'll see rosemary growing everywhere and you're a bit like what's with that so it's it's a bit like the Vietnam and French yeah Japanese and Italian yeah I don't know it's really Mm, weird so Hunk and Betty, it was very Italian. So, you know, that was kind of fun. So it was kind of this weird fusion stuff. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. It was all a bit strange. But by this stage, the crew were just into the sake. It really didn't matter. And then we went up into the mountains. And um, we're staying with this gorgeous couple, um, the Matsuokas. They're all called Matsua, and their last bit changes depending on where on the mountain they live. Because these are the old samurai families, right? Oh, right. Good, and, good um, kitchen knives. Oh, amazing knives. And I almost, I was almost going to say to you before you went. I if, nearly if, bought if, you one, actually, Biso. If you see a really cool knife. Because I was thinking, oh, who would love this? And I thought, bloody Biso. But the freaking bank across the road, they only take cash. Everyone takes cash. Cash, yeah. And uh, it was Sunday. It wasn't open, so I didn't have any money. So I'll tell you about that there's a guy in Japan and he makes chef knives and he's like a, you know, his great, great, great grandfather was a samurai sword maker and, you know, as it's come down into modern times, mm. obviously. Well, is that this where I go, Moritaka, which is, they've been on the front page of the New York Times. Like, if you order one of their knives, you mm. have to wait a year and a half. Oh, wow. You can only get them in the store. Like, if you want one bad enough, you'll fly down there and go into the store. <laughs> but they hardly have any knives. Yeah. And they used to make the samurai swords. So they have some of the original samurai swords, swords. they used to make. They only make, like, 15 knives a day. Yeah. So it's incredible. So th- this guy in, you know, in World War Two. Yeah. Um, how are they? Hiroshima? They're in one of the big cities yeah. that was getting bombed constantly. Mm. So the bombs had come and they'd all hide in the cellar and then after the bombers had gone, him and his dad would go around the city picking up the shell casings because oh those shell casings are like really, really high quality steel. Yeah, right. And they had this picture of their warehouse and they've got this warehouse stacked floor to ceiling with American shell casings that they melt down and that's and what they nice. make their knives out of. Wow. So he, during the Second World War, they got their 
steel for their knives yeah. for the next like hundred years. God, that's amazing. <laughs> So, is that a, an article you've read? Yeah, I'll, I'll have to see if I can go. I'll, I could probably be able to find it. Yeah. But um, it was in um, uh, like The Economist or it was a big yeah. feature article. Yeah. Amazing. And and like they only do, they do the real high-end sushi knives, mm. you know, the one-sided that, that start at like $5,000 mm-hmm. and, you know, have to have a special cradle mm. and you can't, mm. you if you put them in a drawer, someone would, you know, a unicorn would lose its wings or something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, oh, really, dear. really interesting. Well, we we went trout fishing and we caught fresh trout and we mm. had these amazing sushi knives and we filleted it on the side of the river. We made sushi. That was pretty just, amazing. Just standard sushi, just normal roll. Yeah, just normal. No, well, not sushi, sashimi. So we made oh, yeah, we had yeah, beautiful yeah. sauce and we just cut up this trout that we just caught that was, you know, flipping around while we're trying to Which is any, nerve twitching. Any fish like that is just amazing. Oh my god. And then we made um, fresh buckwheat noodles. Mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna to have to come around and get you to show me how to make how to make noodles. Oh god, that was a lot of dicking around. We're laughing for the rest of the trip because you know, you buy these beautiful fresh buckwheat noodles everywhere and they're like three bucks a pack. You know, we'd all be there kneading this freaking dough. Harder, our... harder than pasta then? Yeah. <laughs> Although, make. you know, I kept on saying, seriously, you chuck that in the thermomix. But the Japanese are so precise about processes and they can taste the difference in elasticity and... Yeah. all that stuff if it was done in a machine. Like there's a process and you have to mount it into a... A, a triangle and then you push it in the middle because that pushes the air out and yep. it makes it bouncier and you know seriously ours look like crap and his were amazing and they tasted t- ours look like fettuccine his this incredible fine mm. oh, like i make fresh pizza bases all the time mm. you know it's like i cannot understand people that buy pizza bases it's like one of the easiest things in the world to make but that you do get that huge variation mm. And, like, I don't have my pizza oven built yet, so I'm just doing it in a traditional oven. But one night, these bases just came out amazing. Thin, you know, a little bit crispy, but just, just the texture. And Vanessa's like, what did you do? And I have no idea. No idea. Never replicated it. Same oven, same pizza stone, everything. I, I did something, whether I rested it or I used a, a, a more yeast or more sugar or I needed it. I have no idea what I did. Oh, wonder. Yeah, I keep making them. Just keep trying. Wonder, you'll get it. Yeah, I'm a bit like that with pizza bases too. I have to say. Yeah. Some days you just jag it, and they're just beautiful. And other days they, you know, this looks like the first time I've ever made a pizza base. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, the boss bought Aldi had a two hundred dollar gas pizza oven. It gets up to four hundred degrees, four hundred fifty yeah. degrees. 200 bucks. What? Fucking Al bought one? No, 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 no. My, my general manager. Oh. <laughs> I don't think Al would cook very much. Um, <laughs> um, and he said it did do, he said they did some pizzas with, with a bit of that bacon actually on it. Yeah. And he said, oh, I was just, yeah. He said, over the traditional oven, much, much better. Cool. So, but I'm, you know, it's one of those 
they're there and they're gone specials. So. Yeah, yeah. You got to be an el- you got to be a dedicated elder shopper to get well, that kind of yeah. stuff. I'm, I'm like saving my pennies for my kitchen. Yeah. Oh, how good will it be when it's done? Oh, yeah. it's a bit oh, of a okay. bit of a dream. It'll happen eventually. Might get some of these chairs for it. Though, I think. They're pretty cool. Yeah, they're pretty cool. I think there's only sixteen coming though. Oh. I've almost sold them. You can get the next batch. Yeah, it'll be a couple of batches down the road. Well. <laughs> Nothing happens. We'll, we'll, hey, we'll run you a labour. <laughs> Lantana Land, uh, Lantana Land news that will interest you though. Yeah. Uh, we have a Christmas are, party. We are getting pigs. 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 Oh. Probably three. Awesome. My boss is going to buy one. Mm-hmm. One of my mates, he's like, he lives in the inner city. He's like, when are you going to get pigs? Come on, I want to try some home reared pig and I'm like well I just can't really afford the fence like you got to do proper fencing for pigs you yeah know? you know tension the wire properly and yeah because you know they'll they, they can't escape and he's like look I'll buy the fencing you raise them mm. and we'll, we'll get two and you get one pig and I'll get one pig and then you know we'll every we'll kill them and then we'll get another couple awesome so um bought the bought the fencing this week yeah some little saddlebacks. Yeah. My mate down the road, he said, perfect time. I've just, my, my pigs just had a litter. Yeah. Come up on the weekend and pick a couple out. Cool. Are you going to keep them inside? No, no, they'll have, they'll have. You're not going to rear them as pets and then oh, no, practice no, no. your pets yeah. for a bit? No, no, no. <laughs> no, they won't be pets. No, they'll have like, they'll have like a, a fully in hardcore dog fence run. Uh-huh. that they can run around in mm. and then once they get trained up to electric fence we'll do bigger runs because evidently they clean the lantana up a fair bit awesome so uh, yeah i never got onto that woman that cleans lantana for you no that would be good i've still got her details though mm. that is awful i must have been really hungry when i ate that at the supermarket i tried it but it's i'm not so a very bad. i'm not a very good judge because i don't really like hummus Ooh. What about tofu? Is tofu a Japanese thing? <gasps> and then we went and saw this woman. We went and made tofu. Yeah. This lady that she was like, it's really funny. In Japan, when you get married, you have to go and live with the husband's family. Yeah, right. right? And then you become like the slave. <laughs> yeah, well, that was like that article I sent you. No one's getting married in Japan anymore. So they're not rooting because they're all on their phones. <laughs> that is why they're not. They're bloody so busy. Everyone's on their phone all the time. You're like, bloody hell, no that, one talks to each other. That, 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 that article was pretty scary. They've got a serious chance of mm. just disappearing as a nation. Yeah, they reckon in the last two years the population's um, decreased by like 2 million. Like it was like 27 million. It's now like 25 million. Which, which no one's population decreases. But they're all pregnant. Seriously. <laughs> Everyone you look at is pregnant. It's like, how can it be decreasing? They're all up the daft. But they don't do immigration either. No. Which means their culture would stay very traditional. Mm. It, it, mm. it is. Well, they didn't, you know, for a long time, they didn't take in any outsiders and it was really frowned upon to cross-pollinate. <laughs> Just wasn't done. You wouldn't do it. Whereas now it's more acceptable and, you know. Vanessa's cousin lives in a tiny rural village mm. on the smallest island in Japan. And she's like blonde, like five. She looks like Vanessa. Wow. What on earth is she doing there? 
has five kids with a Japanese guy on this little tiny oh. rural village. There's lo- you see lots of cross marriages there now. Mm. I mean, there's lots and lots. I mean, there's lots of Westerners working there and, you know, can he keep his voice down? He's very Still loud. Hey, last week we were recorded in a pub <laughs> with very, very bad background ambience. This is this is a breeze, so I won't have to clean this up at all. Um, yeah, no, they just, um, what was I telling you about? Oh, yeah, so this tofu so making, food. right? So she's married into this family and the mother wouldn't talk to her and wouldn't teach her how to make tofu. So she used to spy on her through a little hole in the window. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to make tofu because you're going to die and I'm going to need to do it. Mother wouldn't talk to her, wouldn't tell her what to do. So she spied on her and she worked out how to do it. So we went and made tofu with her. Amazing. You know, just boiling up the soy, you know, soaking the soybeans, boiling them up in this pot over an open flame. She's got the old hand press and this machine that kind of shakes it around a bit. But, you know... But did it taste good? Oh, Because so, you know my views on... Look, I hate tofu. Yeah. But tofu in Japan is a totally different experience. It's a bit like halloumi. Like, halloumi is nice, you know, but fresh halloumi is, is a different mm. world. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was drinking soy milk, which I hate bloody soy milk, I don't yeah. get it. Um drinking it we ate beautiful fresh um you know the fresh tofu that she just made and then they have the remnants which is all like mushed up which they eat for breakfast which they might stir through so the remnants of the beans and milk and the kind of no wheat bits bits they don't use no wheat bits oh man one day we're somewhere and someone said do you want some bread and some coffee we all just about jumped on top of it (laughs) bread and coffee give us bread and coffee When Vanessa went to Europe, um, one of our ex-flatmates, Sherman guy, she stayed with him mm. for a week or two mm. weeks. And, I, and this is pre-email, easy email days, and yeah. she's rung me up. I'm sick of sausages and beer for breakfast. I'm like, what? So All I eat here is sausages right? and beer. <laughs> I'm like, they're not pulling your leg. No, actually I have sausages and beer for breakfast. <laughs> Oh, isn't that hilarious? I know. But breakfast, right? <clears throat> so breakfast is huge. If you stay anywhere, they come out. Breakfast is this massive event, you know? You get the bloody rice, you get miso, you get, you know, some raw fish. <laughs> raw, raw fish for breakfast? Oh, you know, you get all this stuff. You get a bit of seaweed. You get the tofu mush-up thing that's the leftovers mixed with some onion and stuff. And then they bring out a thing sitting on a flame and they'll cook you an egg and you know then something else will drop down with broth and tofu in it and you're like oh shit seriously can i have a cup of coffee and a piece of toast get away with all of this stuff it so just goes on and so on it's a, big, on. a big ritual thing yeah. as well oh look i'm assuming it's not all the time but as a Tourists, when you're staying in a can or you're staying in a guest house, or if you're staying in a hotel, you've got a bloody buffet. I, I suppose it'd be like, you know, when people come over and stay at Lantan Land, they get two breakfasts. You either get pancakes with maple syrup, yeah, because I make awesome pancakes, yeah. um, or you get the big breakfast, you know, so you get smaller, so bacon, 
eggs, fresh eggs, fresh bacon, fresh you sausages, mushrooms. No. no. What do you eat for breakfast? Mostly I eat a little bit of muesli and a coffee. Yeah. See, you're not giving that to guests. No. That's all right. But see, what I ended up eating was they have... This trout is just everywhere in salmon. I mean, it's oh, so incredible. So what I ended up having every morning for breakfast was a little bowl of miso soup, a couple of little pieces of trout or salmon, a tiny little bit of rice with some pickled something on it, pickled vegetables, some description. Can you keep your voice down? <laughs> um, and that kind of be it. That was my breakfast. That became my staple. So I just didn't have to look around and make a decision every so, morning. So you found what you liked and yeah, stuck to it. Yeah, like, I'm just having that. So what, what, okay, so let's let's go through. It. So what what do they have for lunch? Obviously not white bread sandwiches. <laughs> well, lunch is either quite often you do. Oh, you know, we'd stop and get a bowl of ramen or yeah, you know, just something quick and easy. Which so might obviously be, soups a much bigger thing there. Yeah, broths, yeah, broths. Yeah. yeah, loaded up with noodles and vegetables dumplings. and dumplings. And, you know, you can pull over to a roadside and get some ramen and a plate of, you know, four or five dumplings and a beer. And it's, you know, mm. nine bucks. Did you drink much Super bucks. Dry? I love Japanese Drank a beer. lot of beer. A lot oh, of Japanese beer. Oh, we had the weirdest beer. night, right? Okay, we, one night we went, oh, let's all go out and have some drinks. So we're trying to find a bar. And this guy wanted, oh, we're walking to the bar. And there was this door covered in mirrors, and we're like, what's that? So we opened up the door and had a look, and it's this weird-ass hairdressing salon, right? You might have seen me tweet about it, because I went, I just had the weirdest night. Anyway, then all of a sudden, this bug comes flying around the corner, this convertible V-dub, old one, flying around the corner, mounts the curb, and this guy that looks like Neil from The Young Ones with long hair gets out going, hey, man, that's my shop. Do you want to come and have a look? Yeah, of course we do. So, just wandering <laughs> to his hairdressing shop. In we go. It's like ten o'clock at night. There's like 150 chairs, all old recycled chairs, and it's called um I don't know a thousand mirrors or something. Like there's mirrors everywhere, and old chandeliers hanging all over the roof, made out of recycled stuff. Japanese guy or European guy? It's Japanese. Yeah, Tetsuya. Is his name. Yeah, right. Right? And they do hair. There's like someone having a facial. There's 15 staff hanging around. Like we thought they must have been running a nightclub or drugs or what's on here. <laughs> anyway, he's just showing us around. He was so impressed. The whole floor was made with old painters. You know, those things they put in between the ladders and they stand on to paint. He'd made the whole floor out of those. And he had, um, you know, roadside rail guards as the staircase. So and very kitsch. Yeah, but it was very cool. And he's going, come up here. I've got dunny seats from Australia. And he had those stupid <laughs> bloody, you know, those dunny seats that are embedded with staff. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, it's not perfect. It's like almost in amber and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, resin. Those resin, resin yeah, 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 dunny yeah. seats. Anyway, we're laughing our tits off. So we get out of there and we go around the corner. And we find this bar that's run by these three gay guys. And they've got this electronic darts board. So before you know it, we're playing electronic darts. You know, <clears throat> one of them's cooking up this food. So I say to him, you know, oh, yeah, I cook. I'm a chef. Well, that's it. I'm in the kitchen. We're cooking up all this stuff. We've got, you know, sochu, because they all drink sochu, not sake. Mm-hmm. So sochu, which is um, fermented sweet potato. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So that's kind of their drink of choice. So they're pulling out all that, and we're just, it was just hilarious. We're going, we've just met Tets around the corner. And they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just so funny. All of a sudden, you know, we're in this little. But, but that's what your, um, your guests, like, that's the stuff they want, don't they? They were having such a hilarious time. Yeah. I mean, because you just, you never know what's going to happen. So they're like, like that spontaneous stuff this is, is weird. Is yeah. because then they can go back and they say, "Well, we did this, so no one else is going to no do that." No one's ever going to do that because next time something else will happen. Yeah, and it's like we also we went out to this cool place and had a barbecue, which is kind of weird for Japan. So in seven years, when you do your French one, <laughs> maybe I'll be able to come. spots because I'll have three kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the twins, they'll be brats. We'll have to tie them up at the back of the barge. Oh, it's it's going to be... It's really interesting with his... Curtis is getting to the point where his food... Like, he's developing tastes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and influences. Like, so, I made that cabbage soup. You know, your cabbage yeah. soup. Yeah. German soup. Yeah. Oh, did you? Did you with, like it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've made it about uh, three times since yeah. we talked about it. Yeah. But I made it with red cabbage this time. So it looks a bit mm. weird once it gets cold. Like it gets that almost um, mm. coppery. Mm. And I made it with that, that cold smoked bacon. Mm. Um, and so I put it in front of him and he's like, no. Just didn't, just didn't want a bar of it. And I'm like, surely it's not too hot. So I tasted it to see whether it was hot. And I was like... This is awesome. Come yeah. on, giving this to you. I should be at this. So I had like three spoonfuls, and he's like, ah, get the spoon back. And he's like, mm, oh, I'm into this now. And it was, yeah, it was just that that connection between seeing me really get stuck into it. And we're finding that now. If we eat with him, if we all eat the same thing, he doesn't really get um, specially made food. He just gets, yeah. he either has what we had the day before, or he has what we're having with us. Yeah. But yeah, if he eats with us, then yeah, no worries. Complete yeah. doesn't matter. Hot food. Well, spicy it's like the Maya stock take sale. If you see someone else buying something, you want that piece of <laughs> crap. Crap. Get out of my way! I saw that first. Give it to me. It's just mm. human nature, isn't it? So you see someone else with something you want it. Mm. So yeah, it's interesting because yeah. I'm pretty. I'm a little bit of a Nazi about the food thing. And so there's nothing worse than those. But like my husband. He eats jack shit. He's, it annoys the crap out of me. He's like a rake, though. Yeah, so yeah. I'm know. surprised he gets enough calories to get him through a day. <laughs> when I went to Japan, I made a slab of lasagna. <laughs> made Four, 14. <laughs> did you cut it into 14 a pieces? slab of chicken pie and bangers and mash. Yeah. And that's all I had in the freezer. And people go, well, don't cook him any dinner. Well, you know what? He wouldn't eat any dinner if I didn't make dinner. Mm. He's go, oh no, I have some toast and a couple of beers. Well, I have to say, when Vanessa goes out, oh, it's a little bit different now because I've got Curtis, but when Vanessa used to go out and I'd be home alone, mm. my standard meal would revert back to uni days, which would be gourmet mashed potato. So, massive amount of mashed potato. Oh. Um, bacon, might have mushrooms, might have cashews, might have a little bit of cheese. Cashews? Oh yeah, cashews in, in mashed potato with bacon. Oh yeah, that's the bomb. Oh, weird. Yeah, all in one, and, and it'd be eaten out of the pot. 
Everything, everything tastes better out of the pot. So it's like, well, I have to wash this up. So it's getting cooked in the pot. <laughs> Potatoes come out, you fry the bacon and the onions and the mushroom in it, and then it all gets. And then you take that out, mash it all in, like, you know, a metric ton of mm. butter, lots of, lots of fresh milk. That's like I love, and actually I had this the other night, cold cannon, you know, where you cook up the cabbage. And you stir it through your mash because I love cabbage. No, I've never done oh. that. See, you you sort of converted. I've never, other than coleslaw, I've never been a massive cooked cabbage <gasps> person. Oh, I love cabbage. But I'm slowly coming around to it. Oh, well, there's so a dish called the, cold cannon, and you 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 cook the, you know, cabbage, and you mix it with you know butter and salt and pepper, and you mm. whip so just, it just through your like mashed potato. No, I just steam it. Oh, okay. And then just put that put through your mash. Put that through your mash with cheese and butter and salt, oh, pepper. And, I mean, you know, you can fry it into pancakes, but I don't even bother. I just bubble and squeak. Good base for bubble and squeak. Actually, the one I made for Curtis the other day, uh, I made him like little um, friggery things. Yeah. So I grated a potato, an egg, a little bit of self-raising flour, some corn, maybe some bacon. So it's sort of like half fritters, mm. half potato cakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fried them up. Put a little bit of yogurt on them. Yogurt? Yeah, like chop, chopped them into fingers and then mm. put a bit of yogurt on them to cool them down. Because mm. um, you know I'm very anti-tomato sauce. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and so yogurt, like... Yogurt, Same thing. Like I, I'm like, oh, I'll try these just to see what they're like. And and I've had one and I cut two into, into fingers for Curtis and he was like barely masticating the first slice and he's like jamming the second one in. I've never seen him eat so much. Ah, he smashed it. Is that funny? Yeah. Potato cakes. Everyone loves potato cake. Well, he likes the fish cakes too, which is, you know, a good way to get fish into him. Mm. When you make fish cakes, do you use corn flour or do you just blitz them? Egg white sometimes. Yeah, I think the recipe I've been using has been like the white fish egg like a whole egg i just use egg white a, a tablespoon of corn flour why would you bother i don't know that's the recipe i found it was really nice the first time and then you blitz it all up and it sort of becomes really sticky and then you put a bit of um chopped bean through yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. i like chopped bean mm, that was much nicer than i thought it would be mm. 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 yeah i don't know what so. the corn flour is no, well, what? Oh, I mean, and, and then I put like chi like chi a little bit of sweet chili sauce and um, I think fish sauce in yeah. it as well. Yeah. Something. Anyway, I've got a, a sort of standard recipe that I make now. As long as you've got your standard recipe, fall back. Mm hmm. Yeah. I gave, I went to a 21st on the weekend. Oh. And, um, which is very interesting. <laughs> Watching a whole bunch of young guys get absolutely Smashed. off their teeth at the Green Bank RSL. Which um, scared quite a few of the young guys. Isn't that like, like where the drag races are or something? What happens at Green Bay? Browns Plains. Oh. So deep, deep south side. Heart of Logan. Deep south. Deep south side. side. <laughs> so all the private school boys who came to this 21st were a little bit scared. Freaking out. But um, I'm like, I, I hadn't got him a present. And I hadn't gone, like there was, it's a footy thing. So quite oh. a few of the groups had gone in for presents and I had jumped in on one of them and I'm like, what am I going to give him? So I gave him my original 
battered, torn pages, splattered with cooking stuff, Jamie Oliver book, the the original Naked Chef book. Yeah, right. Because cool. I thought it's an easy, it's a good intro to cooking. Like yeah, he might never right. cook, but I think cooking is an important skill for someone to have. Oh, bloody oath. Going through, otherwise, why would I be doing yeah. food podcast? But I was like. <laughs> That's a good book. And yeah. and if, if you give someone a book that's obviously well used, and I wrote in it, you know, like this is the first cookbook that I bought or was given when I came to Brisbane. You know, like when I was at your age, just leaving home, I was a bit younger, but just leaving home and trying to discover how to cook and how to cook for other people, this is the book that was simple enough that I could do a two-course or three-course dinner, yeah. no worries. Like... And I had like a, you know, a favourites, like there was the meatballs and the chocolate pots. And the cho- I still make that chocolate pots recipe, it's awesome. Yeah. Have you ever made that one? No. So it's like a mousse, but you don't use egg whites. Yeah, right. So it's dark chocolate. Egg- I don't think I've even got the book, quite honest. But- dark chocolates, egg yolks, butter. And you might put something in the bottom of it. Can't go wrong with chocolate, egg but, yolks, but and butter. It's, it's like... You know, mousse is like light and fluffy and it has, this is like a decadent version. It's like, and you do them in little espresso cups, like 30 mils, because that's about how much you can eat of this stuff. It is just like pure, wicked. Unless you're stoned, then you could probably probably eat like 300 mil. (laughs) Yes, well. At 21, you probably are, aren't you? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Well, he's an elite athlete, so he can't, he gets tested, so... Mm. But um, yeah, I just I just thought, well, you know, it's not a particularly new thing, and like he might just throw it aside. He might never use it. But mm. I think that book is perfectly pitched at that age group and level. That's where I think he excelled when he first came out because he made cooking totally accessible. Mm. I mean, look, he still does, but that was that was what clinched him as yeah. a mega star because mm. he made it totally accessible to men who didn't cook back then. Yeah. Well, it like, wasn't cool. I, I was really an oddity. Mm. Went, went like, and that's sort of 96, 97 when I started, you know, wanting to cook for people rather than just sort of, you know, like... Survival. I, yeah, that's right. And mm. like, you know, okay, well, I want to cook stuff mm. and I want to impress people. Like that, those two first books were my go-to. And yeah. I can't remember really having a massive failure. So it must have been pretty simple. Mm. Isn't that great? What a good, that's a great present. Yeah, so like, and like one of the pages is like, it, it literally is like covered in... Yeah, your favourite, meatballs or something. Yeah, like covered in sauce or whatever. And it's obvious that, I, you know, where it's over two pages and I've mm. turned the page and, mm. you know, it's dog-eared and... Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I just thought it might, it might be, make it even more accessible than buying the brand new copy. And like, I can pick, I, I'm going to buy it again because I want it mm. in mine. You in, might have another 21st you've got to go to in 10 years' time. In my kitchen. I'll probably never cook from it again, but, but like, I'll, I'll pick it up for like 15 bucks somewhere. Yeah. You know, but I thought, I'm going to give you my used copy. Yeah, that's a great present. Awesome. So, so I almost, I thought, well, the, probably the better book would be my cook's companion, but I'm not nah. going to party with that. No, nah, not for a, no, 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 that was perfectly pitched. Because the Cook's Companion is only good. What's that? Well, the guy is driven from Gold Coast, they've looked at 
Oh. Yeah, so I was, I was pretty, I was pretty happy. And I said, all right, you got to cook for me within a year. Yeah, quite. So I, I want to come around for dinner. Yeah. You got to cook me something. Awesome. So we'll see how it goes. Because, oh, look, quickly the background to this. When, when I coached him for rep football. Yeah. Rep football, you train for a lot longer and usually on weekends. So yeah. you'd train three hours on a Saturday morning. Yeah. And of course, most, they're all young guys. And so they train for three hours for an elite tournament. And then you go, okay, off you go. And they go and get KFC and McDonald's. Yeah. So my thing yeah. was, I cook up a pasta, like a big pasta, or um, you know something really hearty, really filling in a big pot, and I go, okay, guys, mm. here, have this before you go home. So at least if they go and get KFC, they wouldn't be filling up on that. They'd be filling up. They're on not going to have as much. Something half decent. So I became known as the coach that that cooked <laughs> cooked every, cook, cooked everyone lunch afterwards. They'll be banging to get to you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what are you going to coach again, Biz? <laughs> All right, so let's right. wind this up. Where, um, have you put much stuff from Japan up on the website? Absolutely bugger all because I'm waiting. We're starting a new business, so we're waiting for the furniture to arrive, and I've just been a bit busy. So I'm going to get onto my website this week, although I'm off to Heron oh. Island next week cooking. What? Yeah, I forgot to tell you about that. No way. Off to Heron Island cooking for the... Um, Barrier Reef Conservation Society. Are you going uh, from Glads? Yes. Do you so have I'm to, flying into Gladi. Are you flying in? You, you've sorted for transfers and stuff? Well, I'm going, yeah, I'm with the people. They're getting okay. in there. So the Conservation my, Society. Will. My folks live in Gladstone, so. Sure, they'd love there? to take me out to Heron Island. Well, when you go to Heron, my dad actually, uh, he did all the groundworks for it. Oh, really? Yeah. That is amazing. I yeah, I, definitely. I used to run around there like at, at Curtis's age. I was running around here and while I did the groundworks. Yeah. <laughs> so nothing on nothing on the web, but there will you, nothing, your, your I will. Facebook and yeah, I'll yeah. Facebook and put up some recipes and do some shit. So know. if you're listening to this, at point you should know you can find Sal on at Taste Trekker on Twitter. You can find me at Visa on Twitter or at Latana Land. And um, so, no pod next week. We'll catch you in two weeks. I'd say you've had enough.